This is the Data Privacy Detective. Today, we're going to talk about how your car is watching you and listening to you and the privacy aspects of today's modern automobile and what it means for all of us and in, in the business of automaking. And we have as our guest, uh, uh, Matt Chance. Uh, uh, Matt, uh, you're a partner in the Frost Brown Todd uh, law firm, uh, Indian Indianapolis office. And your practice really centers on intellectual property and technology agreements. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, Matt. My pleasure, detective. <laughs> and you, you know, for 10 years at least, you've been part of the auto industry team. And uh, of course, we never name names of clients, uh, but uh, you've had a range of experiences with companies from uh, makers to suppliers to all the people that interact with the auto sector. So thanks for giving us a tour now on some of the privacy issues. So tell us a little bit, Matt, about how today's automobile collects, processes, and shares data about us while we're using the car. Sure, sure. It, uh, if you think about all of the things that uh, our cars do for us, and the ways we interact with them, you'll be able to to intuit a lot of the data that's being collected, but it might not occur to folks just how much that is. You know, even a, a five-year-old study uh, found that a vehicles collect as much as 25 gigabytes of data an hour. That sounds uh, like a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It's, uh, it's way more than you'd fit on a desk full of floppy disks from back in the day. <laughs> but cars you know, provide navigation services, so they keep track of our locations uh, as they start a trip and end a trip, and, and maybe even as, as often as once a second during the whole trip. So they've mapped out our routes, they collect data about our speed, and even relative to speed limits, because they know where we're at, they know what the speed limits are in those places. Let me jump in on those two. I mean, so sure. your car is telling whether a woman might be driving to seek counseling about her pregnancy. Very Absolutely. Simple. Yeah, the there are a lot say, of uh, You're going 80 miles an hour, and that's probably a lot more believable than a radar gun or uh, the driver saying, oh, no, I wasn't speeding. I, I, that's what you're talking about. Yes, absolutely. And even the times of day so that you know, they know when a vehicle or even a driver, we could come to that back in a, uh, back to that in a second, but th they'll know if you're driving late at night. They'll know if you're going 80 miles an hour one second and 40 miles an hour the next second, they know you braked really hard. And you know, all that data uh, has a lot of a lot of implications for, for people who can take it all and analyze it to determine whether you brake hard or you accelerate fast or you're a late night driver or you're going to get medical care in one specific place or another. Yeah, and, the, and your car talks to us about, I mean, mine does about, hey, get, you know, be sure you're centering in the lane and all sorts mm -hmm. of things. So this is where we're not saying this is good or bad. We're just, uh, we're detective. We're, we're trying to learn what's going on. So <laughs> right? well, what are the privacy risks? that we all have as individuals when, when our vehicle is collecting uh, all this information. One of the, the challenges is the current lack of transparency, because we don't know what data is being collected by whom, where it's being stored, and where it ends up being distributed to. We don't have hard information about the kinds of data or what all the agreements are between our automakers and their suppliers who might have put together the systems that are collecting the data and where they're selling it to and what those people are doing with it. So part of the, the risk is in the uncertainty with 
where our data is going, primarily because it can be aggregated with data maybe from our cell phone apps. If you have a, an app that keeps track of your family members' locations, that app maker sells data to the same brokers that have deals with the automakers and collect their data. So what can you do when somebody has exactly where you start and end your commute every day, plus the data about your family members and where they go and where you receive medical care and where you socialize? And it really, uh, it, even though your name may not be on the data that's taken from your car, it's pretty easy to figure out who the individual is that this data goes with. So the privacy risks are that people can and do put it all back together again. Well, let's discuss what, what how automakers and suppliers and uh, the people involved in this and the, tech, the, the technology that supports all this uh, deal with this question. There is the Alliance for Automotive Innovation, Inc., uh, AAI, sometimes it's called. And this is really a very broad, almost every automaker is part of it. And, and they have consumer privacy protection principles. And these, you know, these are for the benefit of automakers. Of course, that's who's writing them. But they, they don't want to be viewed as a surveillance society, uh, you know, not at all. They want their cars to operate safely and uh, to, uh, to operate well on the roads and to comply uh, with what driving really should be in a safe way. And without going into all the details, they, they, they ask that members uh, of the AI in, engage in transparency so that people using a car understand what is being collected and shared, uh, called covered information. They, they commit to choice, to offering owners and registered users of a car certain choices. Not every choice, but some things uh, the automakers can insist on uh, sharing and, and using, but to the extent they have a choice, such as not selling their information for advertising, the industry wants, wants a user to have the owner to have the choice about that. The respect for the context of things, data minimization. Uh, there's no reason automakers ought to keep information uh, about people forever. Data security. Uh, and then the last two are integrity and access and accountability. So th this is an industry set of uh, tools. And then we have NIST, the National Institute for Standards and Industry. And let me ask you about the NIST standards, the cybersecurity framework that I understand uh, Matt exists. And, and mm -hmm. what is that telling us about how to balance the need between what an automaker needs to know about its users and to keep improving the vehicle and the, and the privacy rights of individuals? Uh, sure, sure. National Institute of Standards and Technology publishes lots of standards. <laughs> they, they're a great resource for, uh, for guidance. And as folks try to get a handle on the playing field and, and the specific technologies that might be implemented, you know, the NIST framework uh, gives kind of the broad overview, but then gets down to specific examples of how things can be done right in a way that uh, NIST makes is sense. not a law. It's, it's a set of standards by a very well-respected U.S. national uh, Institute, but uh, if exactly. you want to tell to the federal government, am I right? You you better uh, you better uh, comply <laughs> with this standard. Comply. So it, it's a yes. very powerful uh, uh, instrument, correct? E exactly right. Exactly right. You know they they focus on design decisions. They they focus on you know, specific technologies that are are used to to manage security from from A to Z, from the the beginning of the the implementation to to the actual rollout. And 
where data gets collected and how it's processed and, and how all those systems, even how they're designed, how the systems are designed. So, so they encourage privacy by design and privacy by default. And I think that's where automakers and suppliers uh, should be focusing because you know, as the automakers and auto consumers and the market start thinking about implications of this collection of data and how it can be sliced and diced and then recombined to paint a, a very detailed picture about a person's life, then expectations are, are going to, to, <laughs> come to uh, come to focus on how the automakers are dealing with the data they get uh, and how the suppliers are managing the data they get. And, and not just from the privacy perspective, but also the security perspective. Because if an automaker has a mountain of data about me and you know, millions of other people, then that becomes a, a big target for hackers and folks that, that might want to cash in on the value of that collection of data and use it for their purposes as well. So, so security is a, a key factor in those systems as well. Right. And these data privacy and data security are kind of married. If it, mm-hmm. Privacy doesn't mean much if it's not, if individual uh, data is not secure. And so you see this built in. And what you're really saying is there's sort of a data minimization, data security, and transparency approach being taken by NIST. Is, is that the, the basic message? Right. That, that's exactly right. And you know, it's, it, it would be wise for uh, companies to be judicious in what they collect. It's uh, as an engineer, recovering engineer, <laughs> I, I know that having lots of data handy helps me, would help me make better products and provide better services, but might not naturally think about the implications and the, the increased risk of, of just keeping mountains and mountains of data handy. So data minimization, I think, is one, one way that the market is, is going to move to respond to users' privacy and security concerns. Well, what, that, what tips do you have, Matt, uh, for automakers and suppliers? And what's, tell us a little bit about what's happening in the, it's this enormous supply chain that supplies automotive, which is, I think, one-twelfth of the U.S. economy, something like the major part of our economy. What, what tips do you have for automakers and suppliers about meeting these uh, evolving standards, uh, laws we're seeing? There are about 10 states, nine states in particular, uh, by May of 2023 that have a comprehensive code. Uh, what right. tips you have for, for them about how to have a solid uh, pro-privacy reputation and comply with these standards? Well, the, the automotive supply chain is really complex, and there are a lot of independent actors. Maybe the, the OEMs are the biggest players in kind of the middle of the, the whole supply chain network, but they deal with people who you know, provide very important components, and those people might get components from somewhere else. And those folks may use software that was written by still other people and roll in open source software that has lots of authors from around the world who may have their own incentives <laughs> for, uh, for implementing things one way or another. And managing all of the security and privacy risks and you know, functionalities in that kind of a complex supply chain means that the, the automakers and the suppliers are going to have to focus their agreements in part on those issues and not just, can supplier A get widget X to the factory on time? It's, it needs a whole separate 
set of eyes, maybe, uh, folks who can attend to those issues, the issues of supply chain integrity, to make sure that the automaker knows what software is in the component, uh, maybe with the software bill of materials that, that makes its way from the initial developer to, you know, into the, the manufacturer's hands. So that when some logging library, for example, is discovered to have a weakness and be vulnerable to an attack, well, they know which systems have that logging library in them. And of course, that's a specific example from a very famous software supply chain vulnerability that came to light in the past year or so. And so being able to deal with those complexities in the supply chain means getting more information about the provenance of all of their components, both from a software design perspective and the electrical engineering and mechanical engineering component hardware perspective. So that you're really seeing a push down from the top of the OEM, meaning the car maker, the assembler mm-hmm, right. of the car, the Ford, the GM, the Tesla, pushing down that we they want their whole supply chain to follow the same principles that they are promoting and selling the car. Exactly, exactly. I've, I've spoken with a, a client recently about you know, one of the automakers and, and their requirements that they're putting in place going forward, expecting suppliers of all sorts to comply with those kind of data management and uh, supply chain provenance record keeping types of requirements. So they're already moving that way. And, and it's a good thing because that's the information they'll need and the uh, facets of the relationship that they'll need to make sure that things do what they're supposed to and don't do what they're not supposed to do. Exactly. Well, finally, what, what top, top tips do you have for individuals, drivers, and users of cars about safeguarding uh, their privacy while they're using a vehicle? Well, in vehicles that are on the road today, I bought a car just about a year ago, uh, and even then, I don't have the ability to turn off location services. So as a consumer at the moment, I don't have the ability to stop the car from collecting data about my location. So if I were going to a a healthcare site that I didn't necessarily want to be tracked at, I would not be able to keep the car from tracking it. So if I wanted that not to be associated with me, I might borrow a friend's car. I would definitely turn off location permissions on my cell phone. If I'm taking my mobile phone with me, uh, I would turn those off and I might even turn off the phone entirely for the whole of the trip, just so that the location that I can't stop being tracked through the car doesn't get married up with me as an individual because of cell phone uh, services. Uh, I might leave the phone at home, <laughs> but uh, you know, even paying for paying for gas or paying for lunch next to the medical facility is also data that's collected and can be connected with the me as an individual uh, through my credit card number. So I guess. To maintain privacy for really sensitive trips like uh, like going for medical care, uh, I would say be aware that my cell phone, my credit cards, and financial information can all be connected with me. So I might need to pay with cash, and I might need to borrow a friend's car to get there. That's a good a good example. And of course, it's not just the car, but it's your, your smartphone and mm-hmm. uh, other devices that are totally separate from the car that uh, one should think about the privacy level you want in your settings, right? Yep, exactly, exactly. And it's not 
just a theoretical uh, idea that the data can be put together. There are data brokers that already have relationships with lots of data sources, and they do collate it all so that they can build profiles of individuals and use it for marketing or sell it to law enforcement or what have you. They have or end up on the dark web. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's part of the problem. Well, we could data. go on, but that's a terrific tour. Uh, Matt, any last uh, words for our listeners about automakers and uh, privacy? Yeah, I, I think the, the fact that privacy and data security are becoming a much more widely discussed area is, is great. Uh, I think as a society, the tools we have are changing rapidly with AI and uh, smart vehicles, automated driving, which collects lots of data too. Uh, I think the changes in technology really require us to start paying more attention you know, across, across society to what data is being collected, what our expectations are for how that data gets used and who controls it and how. And trying to work out both with businesses that have the opportunity to collect and use that data for our benefit or not, and legislators that might be trying to balance all of those priorities for technical innovation uh, and providing new services on the one hand, but you know, the security and privacy risks on the other. I think we need to be part of that conversation. So I, I hope business folks and individual consumers and lawyers and technologists and philosophers all join the conversation and listen to the priorities and values of the other participants and try to put together a, a good way forward that balances all of those priorities. Sounds like a great idea. Good. Another call for intelligent regulation and uh, bipartisan, <laughs> exactly. tripartisan, whatever it takes to strike yep. this difficult balance as technology evolves. And yet we all wish to have some privacy that we can exercise. Matt, thanks very right. much for being with us. As always, I'll close by reminding us all protecting your personal data and privacy begins with you.